Hey everyone, and welcome to the South Carolina Grower Exchange Podcast. Every week, agents, specialists, and growers from around the state chat about what's happening in the field and discuss the latest crop weather, insect, disease, and weed issues, as well as timely reminders and information related to fruit and vegetable production in South Carolina. Remember, you can read weekly field updates and register for upcoming events by visiting the SC Grower blog at sccrower.com. All right, welcome everybody to this week's edition of the South Carolina Grower Exchange podcast. Today is the 3rd of August, 2021. Um, I don't know about where you are or what it's like today, but it is hot and humid in the low country. So today we're going to do around the state um, later today, but first we're going to interview one of our specialists at Clemson University, Dr. Matt Catelli. Dr. Matt Catelli is a research scientist at Clemson's Coastal Research and Education Center in Charleston. Um, he's done some really great work, um, and he's still doing great work in, in teaching graduate students and, and really, um, you know, doing a lot of good things for the growers of South Carolina as it relates to weed research. So um, without further ado, um, I want to introduce y'all, and Matt's a regular contributor to, to this, so he's not like he's new, but for those uh, new listeners, uh, Matt Catelli, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt? Yeah, so I'm the um, Vegetable Weed Extension, Extension Specialist located in Charleston, South Carolina. I have an 80% research appointment and 20% extension, although applied research, I, you know, that can easily be transferable to extension, so I, I would say my effort in terms of extension-related activities is, is, is more than uh, probably 20%. My uh, Prior coming to, to Clemson, I was a uh, herbicide development specialist at Syngenta Crop Protection in Vero Beach, and then I actually did a lot of uh, non-chemical work with managing weeds and turf grass systems for my PhD. Um, my major uh, crops of focus since coming to Clemson are probably a lot of the nightshade crops, solanaceous crops, um, watermelon, uh, sweet potato, and uh, brassica crops. Although I do dabble a little bit with uh, Brian Ward and some of the um, rice, uh, organic rice production projects that are going on in Clemson as well. Very nice. Um, so I always ask our specialists what their favorite thing is in their discipline. So what is your favorite weed? Do you have a favorite weed? Well, the, like a challenging weed, it, it's, it's, it's funny to say favorite because you know, I certainly dislike yeah, yeah, right? it. In terms of like uh, the frustration I see from my colleagues at the CREC trying to control Nutsedge, you know, it's hard to say favorite, but there's a lot of opportunities, I guess, to uh, explore control of it. And um, so it, it certainly provides uh, a lot of work for me, I guess, yellow Nutsedge. And, and unfortunately, uh, we are, I was uh, looking at uh, one of our sweet potato fields at the CREC yesterday. When I first came here, we did we mostly had yellow nutsedge, uh, which is probably I think it was rated as the third worst weed in the world. Uh, but it looks like we're starting to get purple nutsedge at the station as well, and that's the number one weed in the world in terms of you know, crop loss um, effort it takes to control. Uh, the difference between purple and yellow nutsedge, purple is what's uh, well, you can tell by the seed head, but if you're trying to identify weeds by the seed head that it produces, you're late in control. So another other ways to identify it is it's uh it's a little bit darker green if you had them uh, growing side by side purple nutsedge would be a little darker green shoot color 
uh, it is a little more compact and wider the leaf blade, and it, that makes it even more powerful and puncturing through plastic. Although the yellow nutsedge that we have in the coastal South Carolina is about as aggressive as I've, as I've ever seen. So it's not like yellow nutsedge is a walk in the park either. Yeah, Another way you can tell the difference between, yeah, huh? I was just going to say, I had a beautiful crop of it at the research center. Um, I mean, it was, it looked like a lawn. Yeah. I did not realize it was nutsedge. Right, right. And um, we actually, I was actually on a, uh, got contacted uh, from um, industry, someone in industry wanting to grow chufa, which is the same species as you know, Cypress escalentis. But the, um, I guess the oil content is more consistent in chufa. And uh, you can imagine some of the scenarios that, would come about here if you're trying to grow chufa, like trying to control yellow nutsedge and chufa. I um, you know, little, have a little bit of trepidation about uh, getting into that crop production system because of because of that scenario. Yeah, I've had um, a, I've had a um, few um, industry folks, you know, try to contact some farmers wanting them to actually grow um, chufa for seed production, and I'm I'm just very hesitant uh, to to recommend that. You yeah. know, kind of do it at your own risk. Type thing. Right. So, I mean, we obviously have a great environment to grow chufa. You know, if, if you were to do that, I mean, I, you'd have to start from fair, you know, a very clean seed bank in that, you know, you doing the stale seed bed technique that myself and, uh, you know, agents have come on this, uh, either this program or other programs and talked before where you basically cultivate the land, allow the, the uh, weeds to germinate and emerge and then burn them down, whether it's with a non-selective herbicide um, a organic herbicide, uh, flame weed with yellow nutsedge. It's, if you're going to cultivate, you got to do it a lot because one or two cultivation events with yellow nutsedge is just going to spread the plant throughout the field because it has pretty extensive rhizomes, robust, uh, viable tubers. So it, cultivation is not the way to go with controlling nutsedge unless you're, you know, you take a whole season or just are really aggressive with that. But, um, We've also looked at Ladino clover as a cover crop and uh, Brian Ward um, did some work with it and it seemed like it was pretty good at suppressing yellow nutsedge. The issue when we were coming in with watermelon after the Ladino clover was that the Ladino clover was actually, or Ladino clover was so competitive, it was competing with the, the watermelon. So I think Brian is doing a, another um, project uh, where we're looking at trying to terminate the Ladino clover, uh, watermelon or clover before going in with watermelon. I've seen a lot of success with um, sun hemp, you know, kind of outgrowing and out compete, competing. But um, again, you know, you're kind of taking that field out of production for, you know, the summer and fall season. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so it's great to have a legume cover cover crop. Uh, maybe a combination of sun hemp and then sorghum Sudan grasses. Because if you're using Grasses, uh, especially sorghum, seems to have a little, uh, little more allelopathic properties than the legume cover crops, which, you know, allelopathy is not a silver bullet for weed control, but you, when you combine that with just having the smothering effect of the cover crop, uh, reducing the, um, you know, the, the, the season when you have open spate canopy for germination of the weeds, it seems to be um, somewhat effective. And we've actually, uh, uh, another technique we're exploring to control uh, nutsedge is anaerobic soil disinfestation, which is it's high. It's been used, used in California and Florida a lot. We're still trying to figure out the economics of the carbon source to that you use to promote ASD. So just to summarize what ASD is, you basically take a carbon source, 
Um, you uh, bed up, uh, you, you set your beds up, apply the carbon source, then um, uh, use a, we actually found out you could probably just get away with using black plastic. If it's really weedy, maybe using clear plastic so you get the solarization effect. And we found that the, the best um, combination to control yellow nuts edge is using uh, solarization and clear plastic, um, uh, allelopathic source such as a uh, mustard meal, and then something that's a little bit higher in carbon and nitrogen, like chicken manure, and then uh, or molasses, and uh, saturating the bed, uh, letting it incubate for about you know four weeks during the summer. If you do it in the spring when it's cooler, you probably need to go six weeks, and that was pretty effective in at least um, eliminating nutsedge germination in season. Now, one of the kind of again, this is more of a basic question than applied question, is is anaerobic soil disinfestation simply delaying uh, germination? Is it inducing dormancy? Because if you think about environmental parameters that cause dormancy or make a, a weed kind of go to sleep and not, you know, it's still alive, but it's not germinating, uh, would be pH, water, um, and oxygen, which are all parameters that are heavily affected by ASD. So that's one of the questions we're trying to um, decipher is that, you know, is ASD actually just delaying germination or is it killing weeds? Because that this it was actually killing them. Because at this moment, you know, ASD in South Carolina would be expensive to do year by year. But if you could do it like once every five years, um, that'd be, a, you know, and you're actually killing the weeds, that would be ideal. I, I came across a really cool um, story about weed seed dormancy and germin germination. It was a study conducted at Michigan State that was started, I think, prior to 1900. And in 2020, they actually just um, um, uh, took another uh, reading from the, the field study, which is essentially doc, a study where Dr. Beal at Michigan State before 1900 gathered a bunch of weed seeds, put them in vials and buried them. And they would collect them every five years and then it became 10 years and now it's 20 years just to prolong the life of the study. And they would see what weed seeds germinated. And as of um, 2000, which was 120 years after the experiment was started, there was still, uh, I forget the name, which weed species it was, but there were still weeds that were germinating those samples, even though they'd been in that vial 120 years in the soil. And they just, um, they actually just uh, uh, took the, they, they didn't do it in 2020 because of the pandemic, but they did it a few weeks ago. And I, I, I'm not, I haven't seen the results yet, but I'm, I'm curious to see if there's any more weeds that are germinating even after a hundred and uh, it could be 40 years now. Wow, that's crazy. So as far as nutsedge goes, you know, you talked about some ASD cover crops, and I know there's some herbicides, but I guess like when you're managing some weeds, you know, you can just spray or rely on a pre-emergent or whatnot. But with nutsedge, you know, because of its long growing season and how it reproduces and that sort of thing, I mean, it's what you're saying is it's you're going to have to manage it from a multi-season standpoint versus just a one-time standpoint, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Just it's it thrives here. So you know, when you're, you're thinking about nut edge control, you, you got to think about your out of season weed management in terms of doing the stale seed bed technique. Uh, you know, if you have time and you know, ability to use a cover crop, using a cover crop, uh, there's um, uh, and Justin was involved in this. We're we're exploring a um, a a new. Um, they're evaluating a, a new type of polymer uh, black plastic from uh, CNG. Uh, um, the, the CNG company 
And that essentially is, um, it's UV, uh, I guess it's UV sensitive in that as soon as you lay the plastic, it, it binds tightly around the bed. And um, it, they, they, they said it was uh, impermeable to nuts. It's not the, not, not the case. In fact, uh, at least I've done, looked at, done a couple studies. The first, I mean, it's better than regular black plastic. Uh, we, we, Justin and I did a study at an organic uh, uh, sweet corn farm. Sweet, this is uh, bedded sweet corn with plastic. Uh, next CNG plastic uh, without a cardboard, without cardboard, CNG plastic with cardboard, and then traditional black plastic with cardboard. Uh, the CNG alone without cardboard, it, it, under that nut such pressure, it didn't hold up. It was about 20, 20 um, counts per, uh, per meter squared. Uh, the, the traditional plastic with cardboard was about seven plants per meter squared. However, using CNG with cardboard, you got about two plants per meter squared. So there is some effect of this new plastic on nuts edge control, but it's it's not a standalone. Um, I actually have and I have a study at the CREC in a field which is you know still has nuts edge pressure, but it's not as robust at this as this um, you know this this sweet corn organic sweet corn farm. And we we looked at clear plastic, uh, black plastic, and then the CNG um, uh, new polymer plastic. And I, in the, um, basically this, and we also uh, incorporated ASD into this treatment structure, but the CNG plastic alone averaged at most uh, one, I think it was like one yellow nutsedge plant per entire plot versus the traditional black plastic was more like 15. Uh, there were not, there, the ASD there didn't have it, you know, anything coming, maybe there's like one or two plants out of the entire treatment structure with regular black plastic and, and ASD but there was actually no nutsedge plants in any of the plots when you use the CNG plastic with ASD. So that's kind of an example of uh, combining different um, uh, treatment uh, uh, concepts for control of nutsedge. Uh, yeah, the, I, I think that's important that, that, that you mentioned, you know, putting two tools together or three tools and stacking them. I, I think a lot of times folks think, you know, let's just say if that plastic, for example, or maybe you have sandia, which is a nut sedge is pretty good on, um, uh, or yeah, it's sandia is good on nut sedge. I think growers a lot of times think if, you know, using one tool is good, but if you can stack those tools, it, it works a lot better in, in a comprehensive management. Yeah. And I'll talk about uh, the, the work I was doing at the Clemson Organic Farm we were looking at uh, cover, this is in tomato. So we looked at cover crops, uh, cereal, so cereal rye, uh, red club, crimson clover, or just fallow. And then we're incorporating them into the soil and then uh, going, the next treatment was either suppress herbicide or no suppress herbicide as a post-direct after transplanting. And then we also, uh, the third factor we looked at was rhizobacteria drips. Now, you know, I'm, sometimes I think some of these rhizobacteria products are, a little bit snake oil and this specific product, um, you know, it's been hit or miss, but really uh, interestingly, um, now you didn't see it necessarily effect on weed control uh, it, with the rise of bacteria, but you saw a, a yield and vigor boost, um, which, you know, certainly a more vigorous plant is going to be more competitive versus weeds. But we, the best treatment we saw in that study was um, crimson clover with organic herbicide uh, with the, uh, the rhizobacteria transplant dip. I um, mean, yeah, I haven't analyzed all the data, but just anecdotally when our, our last harvest uh, occurred, the, that, that treatment, um, uh, that specific treatment combination 
seem to stand out. Now, I, the, the SC, I'm not, I don't know the exact price of the SC27 off the top of my head. Can be a little pricey, but I guess if you're doing organic tomatoes, you can, can get a, a high value you know, for that product. So uh, you're not making a recommendation for SC27. It'd be something that you know, a grower maybe would want to try in their own soils, just kind of test themselves, see if there's a benefit. Because we, I mean, I've done a lot of trials with that product. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I'm not going to make a, make a recommendation for it, but if you're interested in it, I would buy a little bit and do a little study on your own farm, just to kind of see if you get, get a benefit within your, with your, with your soil type. Gotcha. Um, so quick question, not quick question. Let's do um, a, a little myth busters real quick. And you give me a real short answer of if this is a good way to manage nuts edge based on your experience. Um, using, you know, fencing in a field after the season and putting hogs on the field, um, to eat the, the nuts of the nuts edge. Well, if I, if you have, um, yellow nuts edge hogs are, there's actually a, a university of Florida study, you know, the hogs do like yellow, did you say fencing in with the crop or after the season? The, yeah, after the season to get ready. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, make sure it's you know obviously not during the season. They'll eat the crop too. So yeah, they um, pigs do have. Uh, uh, they seem to like the um, the yellow nuts edge nutlets. Now they're not gonna. If I mentioned this earlier, that they're not gonna go after purple nuts edge uh, tubers. In fact, um, if you if you wanted if you're so inclined uh, yourself to try the, the yellow nuts edge tubers, are if you bite into them, they're kind of sweet. Versus the purple are bitter, so the the um that 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 um you know, using hogs in the field where you have nuts edge pressure would work with yellow nuts edge, but not necessarily purple. I you know I haven't done a study myself. We're not allowed to do animal studies at this studies with animals at the CREC, but right based on the University of Florida study, it looked like um and then you kind of hearsay through farmers throughout the southeast. They've kind of tried it. Uh, it you know they will um. You know, the, nut, the, the, the pigs will eat up, will, will dig up and eat the yellow nuts and stupers. Right. All right. Next one. Um, if you spray nut sedge, either purple or yellow, when it's blooming with glyphosate, it works better than if you spray it at another time. And it's fine if you don't know, but I've, I've kind of heard that rumor. Well, so, so well, that, that's, that's actually kind of a complicated question because you think about nuts, you know, they're producing perennial tubers. The, the, and I'm going to talk about this in my fall, um, I guess, weeds talk on August 20th. But um, you, when you're trying to get rid of sedges and thistles, the fall a lot of times is the best time to spray um, a non-selective because that's going to, you know, it's going to translocate down to the carbohydrates, you know, those tubers when they're, it's really essential to store nutrients. So you're going to get a lot of translocation down to those tubers and kill the plant. So from just purely a, a um, getting the most, you know, getting the most herbicide down to the tubers, that is a really good time um, to spray a, a um, systemic non-selective herbicide. Uh, same thing with thistles as well. I mean, like perennial systems or, you know, you're just trying to get rid of invasives, applying uh, glyphosate in the um, fall when you're getting all the, you know, tra uh, photosynthate and trans uh, being translocated down to the roots is a good time to spray. Now, I, I'm a big fan of trying to get weeds when they're little in terms of, you know, um, managing them i mean glyphosate you have a little more leeway than than most herbicides but uh i i'm you know i'm a big fan of uh, applying 
a herbicide when the crop, when not when the weeds are small to, you know, to be more effective. Yeah, you, you wouldn't want it to, to go to seed, but if it did, it, uh, it might work. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, uh, Zach, nutsedge doesn't, uh, you know, it spreads a little bit by seed, but it spreads the most by vegetative structures, the tubers, those wow. rhizomes. So getting it down to those nutlets, um, you know, in the fall, you know, give it, uh, we don't, I mean, we don't have, our fall's pretty late here. So, or like, uh, you know, when you're really going to um, ding up the nutsedge, be like, I guess October, November, be, um a good time if you're trying to reduce the underground, the viability of the underground carbohydrates in the, of nutsedge. But, um, so this, it, yeah, I, I, so I prefer to, yeah. So the yeah, next question I was going to ask, um, I have some organic growers that are using silage tarps, um, and putting them down for okay, three yeah. months. Um, and it seems to do pretty good, uh, with nutsedge control. Any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, if if um if you're op if it's a uh, cost effective for your operation, those silage tarps, those ground cover, like those really thick um, canopy tarps, are 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 are, are going to be very effective at controlling nuts edge because you're you know it's, it you can't can't penetrate through that that thick layer. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt. Um, that was a real good overview of, of uh, yellow nuts edge. Is there one parting thought that you want uh, all the growers listening to this maybe to to leave with after today. Yeah, it's you have to think uh, controlling yellow nutsedge in you know, multiple seasons. So you're planning, you're you know looking at what what's the best cover crop for your scenario. Or sometimes like planting date helps. For example, uh, uh, we did some study with with broccoli and planting. Um, I think when we we're planting in August the the by the the nuts the herbicide treatments and the cultivation didn't held up to cause a you know to allow for a um, well it didn't held up so there's a, a yield drag with those treatments when you applied it in September or sorry when you um seeded in or planted in August when you uh, planted a little later uh, the cultivation held up because the the nut when the nut sedge grew back through the cultivated plants then you get a, a cold snap and that stopped the growth of the nut sedge so. You have to think about um, timing because nutsedge is a pro can be a problematic weed in the fall, but if you're uh, if, if you're planting a crop that can uh, that has a little bit later uh, planting date or a variety of a specific crop, then that that like later planting date can can help out a lot. Um, so planting date, uh, out of season uh, weed management, cover crops, and then uh, uh, just being um, you know knowing what what uh, herbicides have, you know, some effect on yellow nutsedge within season. So, you know, could that send me an email or you're one of the extension agents and they can um, either help you or ask me in terms of, uh, you know, what, what kind of you know, herbicide you can use in season with a specific crop, but you can't really rely on herbicides alone for controlling yellow nutsedge. Great. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, our Dr. Catelli, um, you've really um, kind of bummed me out about nutsedge control, um, seeing what I have in one of the fields at the research center right now. So anyway, maybe uh, maybe I'll get on that next year. Um, so, thank you. Hey, oh, well, yeah, Zach, uh, I know I know you got I think Dr. Hassel gave you like the the um, premier nutsedge field last year for one of your, uh, for one of your trials. So our nutsedge on the station isn't as bad as I guess you saw last year, but yeah, I um, think that yeah. was um, kind of like an inside joke. Like, yeah, you can have this field. 
and um, yeah, dealing with it for two years now. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get yeah. it figured out. We'll get some hogs out there, maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you. Yep. Thank you, Matt. Um, so now we're going to do uh, around the state to see what crops are growing, what the weather's like and whatnot. We're going to start uh, with my good buddy down in the Savannah Valley region. Rob, what's going on down there? As, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Crops are pretty quiet around here. We're busily pruning blackberries, uh, getting those tidied up after fruiting. One thing to be aware of that we are finding in both blackberries and blueberries is some scales coming in. So make sure you're scaling your crops really carefully and really closely to, to identify those. Um, we've got some full, cancer, full planted melons going in the ground and just starting to emerge. So keep up with cucumber beetle control where you're looking going through those. Those have been a nightmare in certain places around, around my area. Uh, but other than that, we're pretty quiet right now, calming down and heading into summer. Thinking about fall plantings. Yeah, same same thing here. I've I've looked at enough ochre in the last week that it's about the only thing that's growing now. That and weeds. So well, thanks, Rob, for that. Uh, let's go to the PD region uh, to hear from Bruce McLean. Bruce. Hey Zach. So the um, yeah, to kind of echo what uh, what Rob had said, it's uh, it's been surprisingly quiet. We've uh, yeah, humidity has been ridiculous, uh, you know, and, and we've been getting regular rains, but it's, uh, you know, surprisingly, um, you know, probably the biggest disease issues that we're having, we're still fighting, uh, you know, cucurbit uh, downy mildew on, on, uh, on cucumbers, but uh, I mean, that's, that's really about the biggest thing on vegetables. Uh, uh, pecan scab has really started picking up. It's, um, yeah, so um you know it's uh it's it's not a you know uh you know bad enough now to to really just kill our crop but it's uh but it, you know it is it, it is getting you know ramping up quite a bit um also you know it's time for uh for uh you know go ahead and start thinking about uh controlling pecan weevils as well and so you know a couple of applications two three applications of uh of carbaryl is uh is, is the way to really take care of that. But uh, other than that, uh, blueberries are winding down. Um, you know, some folks are getting, you know, uh, getting some land prepped for, uh, you know, for some, some fall crops. Other than that, that's about it. Awesome, thanks buddy. All right, we're gonna uh, venture up to the Midlands uh, and hear from Justin Ballou. Justin, what's going on, bud? Hey, well, I was a little surprised to hear that it's so hot and humid down in Charleston because it's been a little cooler the last two days here. Yesterday was still about 90 degrees, but the humidity was a lot lower, so it was actually somewhat pleasant if you're standing in the shade. Uh, it's been raining most of the morning here, but it did clear up probably about two hours ago. The rain stopped, uh, but it looks like we've got plenty more coming for the rest of the week. Um, Things are kind of quiet here. We're in a bit of a transition stage still from finishing up spring crops, uh, planting some fall crops. We've had some brassicas go in. We've had some cucurbits go in. Uh, I heard of, from one strawberry grower this morning that's already got his plastic laid and he's ready to go for strawberry season. Um, that's about it. No, no 
nothing really new on the disease front. We've still got plenty of it around and uh, haven't heard of any serious reports of caterpillars yet on the freshly planted brassicas. So we're keeping an eye out for that. Wow, you got people that are already laying strawberry plastic. That's very impressive. Um, they might need to talk to Matt about some uh, long-term <laughs> weed control. That's uh, <laughs> ten-month weed control is what is what we need there. So, um, yeah. well, good deal. Well, thank you. Um, last but not least, uh, Philip from uh, Orangeburg, Calhoun area. Philip's kind of new. He's been on here maybe once or twice, but uh, Philip, we're going to do a little introduction with you. Let, tell us who you are and, and where you're from and a little bit about your background. Well, my name is Philip. I'm the new uh, commercial agent here in Orangeburg and Calhoun counties. I have uh, more of an ornamental background, um, so, so it's a new switch for me, um, learning a, a tremendous amount from my fellow agents. Um, but uh, we've got you it here. Watch, in, you got to watch some of them now. Well, here in here in uh, Orangeburg and Calhoun right now, we're uh, pretty well mirroring what everybody else is saying. We're coming off of our uh, summer crops. There's still a couple of cucumbers uh, being planted. Still seeing a little bit of uh, downy mildew um, and a few cucumber beetles, but nothing too serious. Um, Everything seems to be going well. Haven't had any calls or uh, seen any uh, fall crops going in as of yet, um, and no calls from any of our strawberry producers either. Yeah, this is the, the time of year when I uh, have an opportunity to get a lot of office work done, a lot of writing and editing and that sort of thing, analyzing field data from, from trials and stuff I've had. In the, in the earlier year. So, all right, Philip, what's your favorite crop to work with? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, oh, so far, the last few weeks, uh, I've done a lot of uh, scouting with Rob in uh, cucumbers and watermelons. Um, and they seem to be uh, the two main crops in my area. So I reckon those had better be my favorites. Yeah, there you go. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. All right, uh, what about uh, your favorite weed? What's your favorite weed? Uh, lamb's quarter. Lamb's quarter. Have you ever eaten lamb's quarter? I have. It's it's a decent salad green. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not too young. terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I was in a uh, field one time, and, and it was a they, no weeds out there except lamb's quarter. And I asked the grower, I said, what's going on? He said, oh, my crew will come back in and harvest this tonight and eat it. I thought that was weird. <laughs> I had to try some, too. Uh, anyway all right so favorite crop favorite weed um i don't know what's something else about yourself that we should know um that's a good question uh where'd you work I before coming to clemson How about uh, before coming to clemson i was the uh municipal horticulturist uh for sumter the city of sumter and uh the assistant horticulturist here in orangeburg for a time after i graduated clemson okay very cool very cool well i know you got your hands full up there and we're real happy to have you and uh, excited that you joined the team and already stepped up and made some contributions so we appreciate you thank you zach yep all right well that's going to end this week's podcast join us for next week 
um, next week's podcast and hopefully we'll have some good updates for everyone. Take care.